0: Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we'll be talking about Lilies of the Field from 1963, which got one win on five nominations at the 36th Academy Awards. That one win went to Sidney Poitier, rest in peace, for Best Actor in a Lead Role. He became the first African-American to win that award and opened up a whole new door that people never really thought was going to be opened. Uh, if you're listening to this on Sunday today, it is February 6th, exactly one month ago, Sidney passed away. Um, he was 94 years old, lived a long, long life, and is undoubtedly one of the most important people in Hollywood to ever exist. Uh, you and I have taken it upon ourselves over the past year or so on this show to just kind of uh, kind of seek out his work you know, and really check out what he's got going on. And this is our first time seeing lilies at the field, so what'd you think?
1: I liked it. It was cute. Um, I didn't expect it to be kind of a dramedy. Uh, I thought it was funny at times. I liked the way it handled like race and religion. It was just, it was just about people. Uh, I liked that. Um, is it Sydney's best work? Is it an Oscar winning performance? I, I don't know about that. I think he's been better in the other films I've seen, but you know, it is subjective. I'm sure, you know, there are people out there who think this is his definitive film and I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I Yeah, he's good. Not it, it, I told you before we started recording, it, it wasn't a performance or a movie that changed me or anything, but I'm glad I've seen it. It was solid. There's some really cool moments in it. I love the moments where he's singing. Uh, Sidney's just kind of a, got, got a really cool range to him. He was nominated a few years prior uh, for The Defiant Ones. Uh, for best actor lead role. And then he got this win for Lilies of the Field. Then he got an honorary award about 20 years ago. Um, yeah, I think you and I are in the same boat where his stuff as you know, fucking Mr. Tibbs and, uh, in the heat of the night is, is much better. Uh, I guess he's coming to dinner. He's, he's really good in that movie as well. So, you know, it's still a work in progress. You and I, our, our kind of relationship with him as a performer, I really want to see a Raisin in the Sun. Uh, I'd love to see a Patch of Blue, 1965. I love to see Edge of the City from 1957. There's a lot of stuff, you know, that, that that's kind of on my list. And it's thanks to this show in particular that kind of pushed me to really seek his stuff out and kind of uh, give it a re-examination. Yeah, this is,
1: uh, I had never seen his work before we started this show, but he's a name I always knew about. And I always, you know, I knew they call me Mr. Tibbs. I knew about that yeah. and I never actually watched it. And I was like, this is no wait, I, no, I did watch *In the Heat of the Night* prior to the show. I just didn't have same n- yeah. anything to reinforce it.
0: Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And you need that for some of these classic films. You need the experience to really appreciate the full
0: range of the work.
1: And I'm glad that we've kind of built our own reinforcement with this.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've done that with uh, Humphrey Bogart, Burt Lancaster, Catherine Hepburn, Ingrid Bergman. You know, all these legendary performers. And, you know, Sydney's right in that mix. Uh, he's, he's just massively important. And, of course, the elephant in the room is that it's crazy that, you know, 36 ceremonies in is when finally a African-American was, you know, nominated and won Best Actor in a Leader role. Really crazy, you know? He had, he had a nomination for, for Defiant Ones, pretty decent role, but never a win. And that's just kind of wild to think about. What's even more wild to me is that in that particular particular category, it takes nearly 40 years for someone to do it again. And that's Denzel Washington in 2001 for training day. (laughs) What the fuck, you know Um, it's no secret that our country and a lot of its existing, uh, you know, uh, organizations and companies are indeed very racist and prejudiced and are just unwilling to be fair. And with that, you know, there's a huge, huge conversation that could be had about, um, you know, not being enough resources for certain, certain people, certain races in our country. And of course that would, that would involve, you know, the industry that we love to talk about movies, um, not enough, not enough opportunities for people who want to do this, do this kind of stuff. And so it shows, it shows with the Oscars, it shows with their different categories, um, we're approaching the 94th academy awards uh, uh, next month it's crazy how how close it is now uh, if you're listening to this we're only 2 days away from the nominations being announced february 8th uh, that it's rapidly rapidly approaching and there's only 20 you know there's there's four obviously the four categories for act, for for performing actor actress supporting actor supporting actors so there's four winners every year right so 4 times 93 almost almost 400 people right that have won uh or or they've played a character that has won an oscar for african-americans there's only 20 of those statues and you know i (laughs) that's always crazy it's not it's not we're not discovering anything new here And i don't want to act like we are but what i do want to do instead of just getting on some kind of high horse and being like this is stupid i want to i want to highlight these people that have won um I want to talk about how cool they are and how attached to them that you and I are, you know, you and I have become huge fans of all kinds of performers and some of these people are very huge for our, our lives. Uh, so I think we should start with the best actor category. Uh, Sydney Poitier, 1963, Lilies of the field. And then, like I said, almost 40 years later, Denzel Washington and training day uh, as Alonzo, maybe his greatest performance ever. Uh, 2001 uh, Jamie Foxx and Ray 2004 and then Forrest Whitaker and the last King of Scotland 2006 so we haven't seen one in, in like 15 years which is crazy thinking about all the great performances you know that have happened since then uh, from African-Americans uh, wow what a group though of, of four guys right there that are just outstanding performers and I know that Forrest Whitaker went against um, Will Smith for Pursuit of Happiness that year Jimmy Fox went against uh, Don Cheadle for Hotel Rwanda. Aside from that, there's not a lot of action, you know?
1: 93 Oscars. There's four Yeah, best actors that yeah. are African-American. That's, that's fucking crazy. Um, I have got to see The Last King of Scotland. I've, I have to sit down and watch that. You would love that movie. I know I would <laughs> love that movie. I just, yeah. <laughs> I've I've heard he's absolutely lights out incredible Forrest Whitaker in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Jamie Foxx and Ray is such a fantastic performance. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's (laughs)
0: awesome. The the only thing that sucks about that, uh, which this happens a lot. uh, I can't remember that director's name, but he was one of the guys who like signed off for Roman Polanski. Right. And there's been so many, you know, like Tarantino and David Lynch, people we adore who just for whatever reason, stand by him. I hate when I see that <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> you made this product that I like. Why can't you just, just do that?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's weird. The, the, the Hills, some people choose to die on, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Denzel's best work. I mean, that's a, to make that statement, Denzel Washington's best work. I mean, how do you, where do you even fucking start? I guess training day is a good place to start. That performance is terrifying and just lights out amazing.
0: Yeah, and 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 totally. Uh, Ethan hawk is good in it, but Denzel is why training day is still talked about today.
1: He's got a chance at taking home another statue with uh The Tragedy of Macbeth, which would be pretty cool. He's yeah,
0: lights out in that. Yeah, Denzel's an absolute titan when it comes to the Oscars. He's one of the one of the few uh, African-American performers who's just gone to lengths that not a lot of people have gone to period. He has eight total nominations and two wins. That's just very, very rare for someone to get that, to rack up that many, you know, for, for just like an, an example would be Jack Nicholson has three on 12, you know, uh, Daniel day Lewis has three on six, you know, those are huge numbers for Denzel two on eight is huge. And of course, this other one we'll be talking about a little bit later. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good, good group, good group of dudes. Um, I'd say my favorite of them is definitely Denzel after that. It's kind of a toss up. I, I like everybody else so much, uh, but Sydney, Sydney's the man who kind of broke, broke that gate uh, for best actors. This is the most depressing one. Uh, there's one, there's one and it's Halle Berry, Monsters ball, 2001. And probably the coolest thing Denzel did <laughs> uh, was when he got his win for training day. It was, it was uh, after Halle Berry had won and he said, huh, knock out two birds with one stone, you know, like, just kind of making fun of the Oscars, like, oh, that's convenient, isn't it? And in <laughs> fact, that's the same ceremony that they gave Sidney Poitier his honorary award. So it was like, let's just do all this stuff and get it done. And then we can, you know, then we won't have to hear about it, which is so fucked up, you know. Um, I it love Halle Berry and Monsters Ball, but there's there's other stuff that should be should be in that category.
1: The lead up to that Oscars, was there like a... A whole thing of like Oh the Oscars are so white Did that happen again In two thousand? Yeah it, And that's it, happen- were like, mm.
0: it happens like every 10 years Because it's true you
1: know? <laughs> you know Just once I'd like them to be progressive For the right reasons
0: <laughs> Yeah I do I do think We'll talk about this a little later There is There is Occasionally Within a one category You'll be like Wow They're like They really tried to just Just look at what was the best And From a you know you know, fair standpoint, neutral standpoint. Um, and, and that, that does happen more in the supporting uh categories. That's true. Uh I I have not seen Monsters Ball. I've I've gotta I've gotta watch that too. That one uh I put up pretty high on your list just because um uh, that's really cool to see her, right? She's amazing in that movie. And you also see Heath Ledger um playing. Billy Bob Thornton's son, and they're both cops, and that's just like a fascinating thing that happened. That actually happened, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's really, really, really bizarre that you know Heath Ledger just obviously a f- few years later, he's in movies like *Brookbeck Mountain* and *Dark Knight*, and then passed away. It's not with us anymore. So I think that's a really important one for you as a fan, you know.
1: Yeah, well, that, and I, am a- I also am trying to prioritize classics and performance winners, as I want to cross them off my own personal list. Uh so I'll de- yeah Monsters Ball is is on there.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I would love to cover it on the show at some point so maybe we can just kind of go ahead and do that sometime soon. It's a it's a good movie. I've owned it for for quite some time. Uh Here's here's a, here's a fun list of, of dudes. Uh so the best supporting actor. There's a total of 8 wins but only 7 winners because Mahershala Ali is an absolute badass and has two. Uh first was Louis Gossett uh, an officer and a gentleman, nineteen eighty-two. Uh, have not seen that movie. I've I got to see that. I that's just one that's always been kind of in the back of my head.
1: Yeah, I know about that one. I have I haven't seen it either. I know the the song. Uh, you know, love Lift us up where we belong. That's about all I got for that. Yeah, movie.
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, and then you have nineteen eighty-nine. Uh, Denzel Washington for glory. That is his second. That's his first first uh, statue in his you know, second win that we've talked about tonight. Uh, you got Cuba Gooden jr for Jerry Maguire, 1996, one of the greatest, uh, acceptance speeches of all time. Uh, you have Morgan Freeman and million dollar baby 2004. That's a guy who has, I think five total nominations, uh, in, in acting categories. Uh, then you jump all the way to 2016, Mahershali moonlight, 2018 green book. And then finally last year, one of the coolest wins of the whole ceremony, Daniel Kaluuya wins for Judas and the black Messiah. Uh, could have been argued that he was a should have been a lead actor. Uh, and in that case, I would have said he should have won either way.
1: Yeah, his <laughs> I have not stopped thinking about his performance as Fred Hampton. It is white. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not even a performance. He became Fred Hampton. <laughs> it's it's yeah. yeah, I do think he got he got shafted for uh, not being in the lead actor category. I don't really know why he wasn't. It's it's his movie. Um, yeah. But it is a great it's a Very uh, deserved win, and I I am glad he got it. At such a young age, you know, to have an Oscar right out the gate like that, I can't wait to see what he does next.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I was alluding to this earlier. Uh, This is a really cool category because you have Daniel Kaluuya, Leslie Odom Jr., and Lakeith Stanfield all going against each other, and uh, that felt felt right. It didn't feel gimmicky. It felt right. They were all really, really good. Uh, I really wish Kaluuya would have been in the lead. So he could have won and Lakeith could have won for supporting because Lakeith Stanfield was fucking just, he, he just does different kinds of stuff with his performances and very unique kind of unforgettable performer. Uh, I think he's going to be around for a long time when it comes to uh, being nominated for awards.
1: I'm really hoping that the Harder they fall makes a splash at the Oscars this year. It was one of my favorites of the year. And I, I hope, yeah. it, I hope more people like felt that felt the way I did.
0: Yeah, I certainly liked it too. I would love to see that movie. I thought Jonathan Majors was was incredible in that movie. Uh, awesome ensemble cast. Of course, Regina King was great. Lakeith is, yeah, he's just so unique. Uh, Mahershala Ali is my guy, right? I've talked about him many times on on Oscar Sunday. Love that dude to death. Uh, his performance as Juan and Moonlight uh, just like just stirs me, moves me in, in a really, really really impactful way. Every time I watch that, that film, and it's not really, you know, due to him having a ton of dialogue or anything. It's just the way he looks the way he just, he's just acting, acting his ass off in that movie. Um, Love, love him. I, I'm not a huge million dollar baby fan, but I get that one. Morgan Freeman's really good. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Just kind of a once in a lifetime kind of win, you know, it's just like the right role for him at the right time in his career. And it just worked out. And yeah, Denzel, I'm, like nothing more needs to be said about that guy. He's a legend. I
1: I honestly always forget that Cuba Gooding Jr. has an Oscar because he just does not yeah. seem like the kind of guy who would have one. Uh, <laughs> but then again, I have not sat down and watched Jerry Maguire, uh, so you know, I I just don't get it yet.
0: Yeah, it's a decent movie. He's he's great. He's just just put putting it all out there. It's kind of like Merca Tomei having an Oscar. It's like, wait, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, is that true now? Yeah, but he his, his speech is so good. He's jumping up and down, you know, losing his mind. He was so excited, and I love that. I love, when a, I love when an artist or, you know, athlete or whatever it is can put their walls down and just realize I'm happy to be here right now doing this and being recognized for it. Yeah, I can tell you right now, if I ever won an Oscar, I am not going to be cool about it. <laughs> yeah, no, no way. Yeah. I'm not going to pull like a Brad Pitt and be like, this is for my kids. You color in everything I do. I'm going to be like, fuck. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my God. Like, am I here yeah. right now? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be able to say anything super incredible. Like Joaquin did when he won for Joker and was just talking about, you know, the environment <laughs> and stuff like that. I'll just lose my mind. Um Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, here here's here's a cool group of ladies uh supporting actress and of course Hattie McDaniel who's the person who really opened the door uh 1939 gone with the wind she got she's the first african american human to win a, an oscar and that was in the early stages of of the oscars you know as like the 12th or 13th academy awards so you know that's pretty early on uh but you see that <laughs> You don't see another person win until, until Sydney in 1963. So there's just these huge gaps that happen where it's like here you go and it's just it just doesn't feel right. It's like you're just kind of doing it for the hell of it and not really um, doing it for the right reasons.
1: I recall Hattie McDaniel wasn't even allowed in the theater.
0: Correct. That's, yeah. that's
1: exactly right. Yeah. That kind of overpowers the uh, significance of
0: the win in my opinion.
1: Like well i think a greater victory would be maybe letting her accept the fucking award
0: yeah pretty pretty fucked up obviously we will do that movie on this show one day i just don't know how or (laughs) or when it's such a monstrous monstrous film that has so much around it and uh and then of course you know the film itself is just got a lot a lot going against it <laughs> and a lot going for it so I, I i can't wait to do it but i i know it's going to take a lot of a lot of willpower for both of us to just kind of muster up all we can to give it give a good episode on gone with the wind uh now of course we'll be talking about that for sure um fast forward <laughs> fucking 50 years to 1990 uh whoopi goldberg wins for ghost and then jennifer hudson 2006 for dream girls that's uh she was 25 years old. It was her debut. And I think she has a chance at making some noise. This upcoming Oscars, we'll see. I think that movie came out probably at the wrong time. Uh, her playing Erythra, but uh, she's amazing. And she actually does all that stuff. You know, she sings, she can dance, she can move. She's an incredible actress. So I, I, I really have high hopes for her and her, her future. Uh, Monique for Precious in 2009. Just a devastating film and great stuff from her. Uh, Octavia Spencer in The Help 2011. Octavia has become this jack of all trades. I can do anything on the screen. I can play some weird villain in a horror movie. I can be in a sci fi movie. I can be a mathematician in Hidden Figures. I can be in The Help, you know, uh, I can, you know, kind of do anything. So I, I've really come to appreciate her and what she's done, although I don't love The Help.
1: I I did like the help, but then again, I am I have realized in the past few years that I struggle to identify white savior movies. I tend to get sucked into the narrative, which is something I have to work on. It's it starts
0: with who made this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I no, I know exactly what you mean. I've 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 gone back and read read about movies that what other people are saying or black people who who watch the movie and they're like fuck this. Like, wait, why? And then you just realize, oh, yeah, I'm I am white and I'm not uh, I'm not in the same shoes as them, you know, uh, from from appearance. And that's that's like part of my favorite thing about movies is kind of reevaluating stuff and re-examining and listening to different perspectives as a, you know, fairly white guy I identify as Hispanic, but I'm
1: I, I know I look fucking clear. So I get it um, <laughs> as clear. a as an apparent white guy. I I don't understand it, and I don't identify with it, and I just that's something I, you know, will never understand. So I I don't see, you know, I I struggle to f- to see the difference between a disingenuous uh, movie and a genuine movie, and I am learning, but you know, I think
0: that's something a lot of a lot of us gringos got to got to figure out. <laughs> For sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, if if the movie's intended to teach some sort of lesson and you just, you just take it away and run with it. Like what's the point? If you can't go back and maybe hear someone else's opinion about it, that's like what it's all about. It's like is receiving art and kind of dealing with it as an audience together. And I love that. I love hearing other people kind of bash things that I like, even if it's not race related. And I just kind of like, Oh, that's how you see it. That's really interesting. And you might be right. Or hearing it the other way around. Where someone, you, you both love something and you hear them talk about it and you're like, I love it even more now. You know, there's like this kind of ever-changing thing that's going on with, with, with receiving art. And of course, for you and I, it's mostly movies. And I'm always changing my mind about movies or, or reinforcing my mind about movies. And I love that. Um, one movie that does not need reinforcement from me uh, is 12 Years a Slave. Lupita Nyong'o won in 2013 i didn't know who she was you know i saw that movie in theaters and i was like who the fuck is that you know she is handling everything like it's unbelievable what she's doing she's putting on a clinic with michael fassbender in this movie and steve mcqueen after that i was like i gotta know i gotta know who this guy is that uh, is just an incredible performance from 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 everyone in that movie and it's it's a must see you know um i have no problem with that one winning best picture and Definitely giving Lupita Nyong'o her first win of hopefully many. Uh, Viola Davis for Fences, 2016. Jesus Christ, we don't deserve Viola Davis uh, <laughs> as, as 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 society. She is she is unreal. That that category is really cool because you have uh, Viola Davis getting the win. Octavia Spencer was nominated for Hidden Figures, and then Naomi Harris, the Queen herself, was nominated for Moonlight. Really cool category. All three of them like well-deserved, you know, for all the, all the praise they get. But Viola, Jesus, you know, she doesn't need much time. You know, I, I, every time I think of Viola Davis, I think of what she does in doubt. It's like, it's like four minutes and she just takes your entire soul, you know? Wow. And I, I, I can't thank her enough for like how much amazing moments she's given me in movies and TV. Yeah. Seeing fences for the first time was
1: an experience, uh, yeah. Watching Denzel and Viola just act circles around each other the whole time, and you just you get sucked into this story because of their vibrant uh, depiction of these characters, and you just feel for her. I mean, you know, having to watch her her husband sleep around, father somebody else's child, and then just not act like it's a big deal. I you fucking hate denzel in that movie he's such a bastard (laughs) and she has to deal with it and she has to keep it together and i just love when she's finally like i've had enough and has her big moment it's as soon as i saw it i'm like oh yeah this is why she won (laughs) holy shit
0: yeah yeah oh man she's crazy crazy good in that movie well worth if you haven't seen fences check it out (laughs) it's so so crazy how how good those two are. Uh, and then finally, the last person we're going to talk about is uh maybe my favorite person on this entire fucking page that I have is Regina King, uh, winning for if Beale Street could talk in 2018. Oh, Regina, <laughs> this is this is my gal. This is this is this is my favorite, possibly favorite actress of all time. I, I I think she's capable of doing many things, and it's very cool to see that she got to direct a movie last year. You know, have her debut. Uh, one night in Miami, or I guess that was, yeah, that was last year, at the beginning of last year. Um, I can't even fucking remember when, you know. The twenty twenty releases were so odd, the way they were kind of, like, handed out. Uh, but needless to say, it's in the Criterion Collection now. She was nominated. Uh, she recently had, 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 had a you know, devastating moment in her personal life where her, her son passed away. I believe he was 25 or 26 Uh, fucking sucks, you know, and I hope she's able to, you know, rally and do whatever she needs to do to kind of like mourn properly and, and take the time that she needs to kind of come back and still, still give people this just pure joy that she, that she gives when she's on the screen and this ridiculous, Ability to to kind of match and meet people halfway wherever they're at um, on the screen. She's so fucking good from the first time I saw her was probably Friday uh, all the way to stuff like Beale Street. Just uh, I adore her so much and I'm so glad she won. We got to do that movie on this show like, I don't know, episode 20 something. It was er it was earlier on and it was just uh, a blast to talk about, you know, of course, Barry Jenkins regina um brian terry henry you know all all those uh coleman domingo who's awesome in that movie too just it was really cool to do that talk about her at length uh she's she's amazing yeah man
1: i whenever whenever i'm watching a movie and regina king happens to be there she makes me think of you now (laughs) yeah good (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah i loved her in the heart of they fall she was just oh. such a an evil conniving bitch in that movie, but just perfect. Uh, God, that movie was so badass. Um, yeah, she's she's fantastic, and she definitely deserved the win for Bill Street.
0: Yeah, God, what a what a performance! You know, when she goes to Puerto Rico in that movie, you know, and trying to convince the lady, uh, I'll, I'll I'll stay away from saying exactly why in case people haven't seen it. Uh, just incredible, incredible stuff. Just put on a put on a little little show right there. Uh, that, that's all, that's all we got, man. That's, that's it. You know, it's, it's 18 total people. Um, Denzel and, and Maharsha Ali both have two. So 20 total gold statues. And again, that's out of, out of nearly 400. Um, it's, it's those kind of things that if it doesn't, if that doesn't kind of like, wake you up a bit and kind of like, Whoa, what the hell? Or kind of raise your eyebrow. I, I, I don't know what to tell you, you know, these, these kinds of things happen, happen all the time in our country and it's, it's better to point them out and kind of confront them while also still adoring the people that are involved uh, like these actors, actors and actresses. It's better to do that than just kind of be like, Oh, okay. Well, at least they got something, you know, that's just not the right attitude to have. So I wanted to go down these, down this list. If there's one, Performance that you need to see. Which one is it? Uh, of, of that bunch. Um is
1: uh it's probably the last king of Scotland. I think that's that's the one I'm gonna prioritize because I just I need to see that movie. I need to see why Forrest Whitaker took that Oscar. I know uh, James McAvoy's in it, and it's about one of the most sadistic evil dictators who ever lived. So I I definitely am gonna prioritize that.
0: Cool, man. Well, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll throw that on the schedule um, for sometime. Sometime sooner than later, that'd be cool. To it's a different different one, right? You know, two thousand six. You know, I think The Departed kind of just outshines everything because that's like what you remember. Um, yeah. Scorsese's Scorsese's big big win, right? Uh, and and I personally, Little Miss Sunshine is the one that that kind of stands out for me as a fan. But I think I think that movie can get lost. Uh, Last King of Scotland and. Force Whitaker would be a fun guy to kind of highlight and really look at his career because he's he's done everything. (laughs) Yeah, he's all over the map,
1: and I do like using the show to sometimes you know watch like spotlight the films that slip through the cracks, the films that are you know not the big winners but were a part of the of the story. I like to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. I think I think it's 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 one of the coolest avenues we can take with this show. You know, doing. Doing these random ones, like I remember when we did Up in the Air, I was like, "This just feels cool. This is way different than what we're used to. We're used to, we're used to highlighting, you know." Fucking last week we did John Houston You know, it's just way, way different alley, uh, but within the same kind of kind of rules of the show is that if there's that one nomination, you know, it's it's fair game. <laughs> there, there are some 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 things that I wish we could do on this show. You know, uh, there's always gonna be those movies that. I, I wish could pop up here. You know, I think some of the best f- black filmmakers that I've kind of, ex- uh, you know, found on my own discovered for myself is you know, like Robert Townsend. Uh, I love him. I love Marlon Riggs, Melvin Van Peebles who, who passed away not that long ago. Uh, Gordon Parks is, is fucking phenomenal. Uh, there, there's some guys that I wish we could talk about on the show, but we just, we just kind of can't. Um, and that's, that's unfortunate. You know, there's only, only six African-Americans have been nominated for best director and they're all kind of Titans. You know, they're like, you know, Spike Lee and Steve McQueen and you know Jordan Peele, John Singleton, these guys that I think we pretty much have all talked about, have talked about all those guys and, and, and it just kind of ends there. And it's, it's frustrating because there's so much more out there. You know, there's so much to experience for yourself and, you know, I wish we could kind of bring that to this show, but that, that's what film guys is for. That's what for, you know, our other avenues of talking about stuff, you know, doing reviews on, on the site, doing articles, you know, we can always, always shout them out there. And I just, I just, I, I wish we could give a words out to some of these movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, I get it, man. It's, it's tough to have, you know, such a, uh, kind of strict. Pro, like, uh, criteria for this show, but it has to have, it has to be that way. Otherwise, like what's the, no, where does it end?
0: <laughs> exactly. That's That's exactly right. Is if there is no, that, my favorite thing about it is there is like a context, a built-in context. And if you don't have that, then you don't have these conversations. You don't have, you know, what, what, well, then why are you doing, why are you doing church with Sierra Madre and when Harry met Sally and the master all in the same, all within the same month. Well, it's like, because of this, this context, you know, they all have some kind of Oscar nomination or some kind of Oscar win. And that's just, that's just how it's going to be. So I hope in the future, I hope the Oscars, you know, as, they, as the, the, the membership grows, as the board grows, and there are more women, there are more, more people of color on, on, on the board voting and giving their two cents. I hope, it, I hope it grows into something that we can all, like, truly appreciate and love. Yeah, me too. It's all about inclusion. It's all about being better and wanting to be better. That's
1: a big part of it. Not just be, you know, oh, society tells me I got to start thinking this way. You should want to think this way. You should want to be a better person in all aspects of your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just saw um, not that long ago, my, my guy, Coleman Domingo, who's just just a freak of nature on the screen. He's... He, he's, he's amazing I talk about him all day But he put up a, a post on Twitter and Instagram Where he was sending in his his votes Because he, he's voting for, for the Oscars ah. And he, he basically was saying It's important To kind of change What you, you know Be the change that you want to see That kind of classic saying of Hey, if you want to complain about it That's fine But if you want to see actual growth And see actual change Then fucking do it yourself You know, fucking do it Step up and do it And so he was saying, hey, we want to look more at people of color and performances they've given in direct direction, you know, direction that they've given in, you know, different screenplays. Let's 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 actually do it. Let's stop talking about it and complaining about it. Let's make it happen.
1: Well, you know, film like every other aspect of history is a multi-layered story with millions of different kinds of voices. And for too Mm -hmm. long, it's been you know, white, like the white voice has been dominating history. I'm, I'm learning all about this in my, my grad studies. People of color and women are getting to like, we're discovering their stories in history and repainting the American experience to represent everybody. And it's not what we learned in schools. It's what we're having to relearn. And I think, you know, applying that
0: those lessons to film is equally important. Mm. Well said. I love that. That's really cool that you're kind of in the middle of hearing about that learning about that and kind of applying it to your own life that's really cool yeah like you said be the change (laughs) yeah 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 if you like want to want to learn something fucking learn you want to run you want to run fast run faster (laughs) it's it's that's my track coach used to tell me that in high school he'd say hey austin you want to run fast i'd be like yeah yeah i do he'd be like then run faster buddy okay that's all right that's
1: kind of like stupid and brilliant at the same
0: time <laughs> it was it was because i would think of his voice coach jack i would think of his voice every time i'd be out there and i'd be like well he's right i mean it's it is that simple you know and he knew what he was doing he knew what he was doing he, he knew he's this like 65 year old guy i would just hear his voice run faster run faster run faster <laughs> you know it's the simple things uh, that get you through uh really cool man i love talking about this stuff with you um it's think it's important i think it's important not to shy away and i think we're on the same page with that it's always fun to talk about actors especially and just kind of dive into list of people i love what we haven't done like a bracket in a long time but i love doing those with you i love doing you know these different kind of uh they're kind of i don't even know what you would call them but just these like little projects that we do on oscar sunday towards the beginning of this show it's really fun but i do want to talk about you know lilies of the field and some different, some different people that are involved with this movie. And, and of course, we're going to look at the 36th Academy Awards here in a little bit. Uh, Sydney, we've, we've talked about him. We're going to talk about him more as the show goes along. But James Poe, who wrote the screenplay for, for uh, Lilies of the Field, has, has a nice little resume here. Pretty random. Uh, won the Oscar for Best Screenplay, Adapted Screenplay, Around the World in 80 Days, 1956. Uh, then was nominated three times after that. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, 1958. Lilies of, Lilies of the Field, 1963. And They Shoot Horses, Don't They, 1969. All these movies have been brought up at some point on this show.
1: <laughs> he wrote Around the World in 80 Days and won an Oscar for it. That's one of those random yeah. Best Picture winners you kind of
0: forget about. Uh, for sure. The 50s, they have, they have a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I, that's and, a cool and resume. Cat, yeah, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. That's, I, I just kind of never put that together. I've yeah
1: that's one that I know like have you seen that
0: yeah yeah I mean that's that's got my boy in it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, yeah I, I gotta watch this Paul I've really gotta
1: I've seen enough Paul Newman to get by but not enough to consider myself an expert and that's that's wrong <laughs> so I gotta I gotta get on the Paul Newman
0: train <laughs> uh, it, it it can certainly happen through this show you know you just never know what what kind of stuff you're gonna see is he, yeah, he's, he's amazing. I just was on the phone, uh, you know, uh, for those of you who, who don't maybe listen to us all the time. Uh, I live in San Antonio and Connor's not very much further in San Marcos. Uh, we, <laughs> we hear, especially in South Texas, when the, the winter gets a little bit, little bit, tiny bit harsh, everyone <laughs> freaks out and acts, acts like it's the end of the world. Uh, I, am not going to blame Everybody, because last year we actually did have a week there where a lot of people lost power, a lot of people lost water because our state is not prepared for, for, you know, a proper winter. So when it does happen, sometimes things go, things go bad. But yesterday, uh, we're recording this on a, on a Friday night. So yesterday, Thursday, uh, February 3rd, we, it was, it was the, co- the coldest day where there was, there was some ice and a lot of places closed a lot of our grocery stores closed at like six or seven o'clock at night. Uh, so I, I, you know, I took the time to, I, I called my, my older brother who lives in Minnesota and he was making fun of me. I'm like, ha, it's eight <laughs> degrees here, bitch. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, and either, you know, he lives in St. Paul. They're just used to it, but he watched the hustler for the first time. Wow. And he was like, wow, I get it. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know, you know, what's, what's cool about that. You know, aside from Paul Newman is uh is that movie just kind of doesn't treat you like an idiot. It's nuanced. It's, it's got this power behind it where no, you're not going to get every little explanation. You know, sometimes they're playing a certain kind of billiards that you don't even understand. You're like, why are they, why are there only two balls on the, on the table? They don't explain it to you though. They just keep fucking playing. You got to catch on. You're, you're either in or you're out. You're the you're either cool or you're not cool, you know? And <laughs> I loved I loved hearing someone talk about the hustler seeing it for the first time. is was really cool. And he he asked me about Paul Newman, you know, and I was like, I haven't I haven't seen quite enough. I've seen five or six, you know, big performances, but I haven't I haven't dug into it enough. So we can fix that for both of us. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So cool. Yeah, I love love talking about those movies. Yeah, just I, I can't get enough of the hustler, you know, if you if you, if you know us, you know, you know, you know, that movie's big, 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 big and important to us, 1961. And it's always cool to kind of remind yourself uh, that there's there's always more to watch with someone like Paul Newman or, or you know, this big, big monstrous actors. So, yeah, we both we both can do some homework through this show.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I really have to just carve out some time and finally watch The Sting. i I'm oh, going to I need God. to do that soon.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. I can't get enough of this thing either. I love that movie. Yeah. Go ahead and watch that because we won't do that. Uh, we'll probably do that like next year or something for a showdown. Uh, Cause it'll be hitting its 50th anniversary next year. Okay. I know, you know, I know there, there's a, there's a movie called the Godfather from 1972 that. Uh, will probably come up at some point this year. Cause it's, it's, it's 50th anniversary. Most likely. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> I, I would love to continue that trend because last year, uh, like a, like in November, or December we did a French connection and I would like to continue that trend because the seventies are just filled with the gold. Right. And it'd be cool to just kind of do that like once a year, do the the seventies best picture winner. Um, Well, there's, there's a couple, couple of one in particular heavy hitter. I want to talk about from lilies of the field and then one at one other guy. First one. uh, Well, the director of Ralph Nelson, this is his only nomination is just lilies of the field, which is kind of amazing. So I, I looked at that and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of weird. Then, you know, you got Poe, who's got a, got a few nominations and really cool resume. And then there's Jerry Goldsmith, um, <laughs> who <laughs> who's got a really crazy, crazy resume. Uh, this is kind of when he was starting out. This is early Jerry Goldsmith, uh, Lilies of the Field. Uh-huh. Jesus Christ, you know, this, this, this happens to us with these composers, you know, where they just are loaded. And this guy... I'm very excited to get to a few of these. Uh, we can talk about them because he's, let's just say, he's not um, uh, allergic to horror like a lot of people are. So this is going to be fun. Uh, first nomination Freud, 1962. Uh, 1965, A Patch of Blue. 1966, The Sand Pebbles. 1968, Planet of the Apes. What the fuck? Uh, 1970, Patton. And then 1973. Uh, is it, Do you say it? Papillon, how do you say that one? Papillon. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie yet. I'm dying to see it because that's the same director as Patton, right? I believe. Yeah,
1: that's a Steve McQueen Prison Break movie. That's I've heard is really good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I need to see that. That's right, I need to see that one. Uh, Chinatown, 1974, decent flick. (laughs) The Wind and the Lion, 1975. Uh, Here we go. Let's stop for a second. (laughs) Nominated for best original song. And winner for Best Original Score, The Omen, 1976. Tom fucking on. <laughs> That's fucking beautiful. I love, I, I want to do The Omen on this show.
1: We will. Like this year, <laughs> I want to redo The Omen. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's in that early days of filmgasm when we were still figuring it shit out. It's time to go back to The Omen and I love it. It's got these two nominations so we can. Thank you, Jerry Goldsmith. And I love that a song that literally translates to Hail Satan. Was nominated at the Oscars. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, an unbelievable movie. 1976 is one of the coolest ceremonies. You got, you know, Rocky, of course, the winner, Taxi Driver, Carrie, The Omen. These movies fucking rule. 1976 is an awesome year for film. I, uh, yeah, I would, I would love to do The Omen because I, I think we both probably would put it in the best picture category if, if it was our world. It's just a knockout almost 10 out of 10 movie.
1: It's one of the creepiest movies of all time and it's you don't even see anything. It's all implication and just people telling you
0: about what's really going on. So smart. Less is more, my friend. Yes. Uh we'll get to some horror here in a second again. Uh The Boys from Brazil 1978 nominated, Star Trek 1979 nominated, <laughs> and Poltergeist 1982 <laughs> nominated. So cool. I would love to do that movie on this show too. <laughs>
1: that's fucking awesome. that would see that would be an Oscar Sunday Josh would
0: would be on <laughs> you really think so no way <laughs> no way he is so we did a whole thing
1: recently on filmgasm about like a letter from Steven Spielberg that proved Toby Hooper directed the movie like so that shit has not gone away it's like an ongoing theme in our fucking Catalog the like who directed Poltergeist?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and like you and I are at the point where we're like yeah we don't care we're just fucking with you and he's like I will go to, I will go to the grave <laughs> proving this. <Yeah>. Uh. <laughs> That's so awesome! Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I, I that that movie deserves all kinds of attention and I think it'd be really cool if we did it over here. Uh, Under Fire, 1983, nominated. Hoosiers, 1986, nominated. Basic Instinct, Instinct, nineteen ninety two, nominated. L.A. Confidential, wildly underrated movie, awesome stuff. Uh, nineteen ninety seven, yeah, nominated. And the last one is Mulan, nineteen ninety eight, nominated. What a, I mean, to go from we were just talking about The Omen, and to we finished off with Mulan. You know, just look at this guy's fucking range and what he's able to put in. You know, Patton, this monstrous epic war film that won Best Picture, Chinatown. Maybe the greatest fucking movie ever made, <laughs> The Omen and Poltergeist, Star Trek, Hoosiers, the shit basketball movie with Gene Hackman, <laughs> L.A. Confidential, and Mulan. This is a crazy, crazy resume.
1: Yeah, and that's not that's just his Oscar-nominated stuff. That's I mean, he's just, got, yeah. He's got Circus. 256 credits as a composer, and one of his uh his last ones before his death was The Mummy, 1999. One of my favorite scores of all time uh yeah jerry goldsmith was a fucking rock star he he was one of the best
0: yeah uh, yeah unfortunately like like you just mentioned he passed away in 2004 he was 75 years old uh oh man this dude this dude like straight up kicked ass and means a whole lot he's one of those big names well i don't know where do you think he kind of ranks amongst composers when that like you know you talk about the the John Williams and the Hans Zimmers, you know, like, where do you think he's at? What tier? He's up there. He's up there in the high tiers. Jerry Goldsmith is a legend.
1: The fact that he's not with us right now, I think gets eclipsed. Eclipsed. I think that, you know, but his, his work speaks for itself. I mean, the fact that he knocked out, you know, the omen, the Star Trek theme alone, he established, like that is the Star Trek theme that became the next generation theme. And like, that became the, the Star Trek music everyone kind of associates Star Trek with. So, I mean, that's mm. huge. You know, Gremlins, fucking Rambo, <laughs> the Burbs. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, the Burbs. He, he did everything. Uh, yeah. And like you said, he wasn't allergic to horror. You know, he stepped up. Uh, so I, I definitely, I rank him amongst uh, some of the greats.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think when, it, when you straight up resume, when you just stack him up, he is in the top tier. He's, he's, he's you know, one of the greatest composers of all time. I just wish he was more talked about, you know, we've done that. We've, we've had this happen before where guys are probably just at, or not, not probably, they are just as prolific, but they are, they aren't, they aren't John Williams. You know, they don't have, they don't have that just, ah, but then, you know, you look at John Williams and you're like, he's contributed so much to American culture. <laughs> just this, this freak of nature who just had had an ability to, do multiple franchises and you know it you kind of understand it but damn Jerry Goldsmith hats off to you man rest in peace that guy was a fucking stud. Uh last guy I want to talk about from Lilies of the Field is the cinematographer Ernest Holler. Uh this man, while nominated for Lilies of the Field had a handful before that movie even came out. So we'll start with 1938 Jezebel uh he was nominated and then a year later for Gone with the Wind he got the win for best cinematography. That's obviously a movie that we've, we've brought up on this show, and again, one day we'll do it. One day we'll tackle it. I just don't know when. I can't guarantee <laughs> a fucking time frame. Uh, All This in Heaven 2, 1940, nominated. Mildred Pierce, 1945, nominated. The Flame and the Arrow, 1950, nominated. Uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, 1962, nominated. And then Lilies of the Field is the last nomination, 1963. So, this guy did, you know, he's got A couple, couple nominations for color and then the rest are black and white. So, you know, you could kind of, kind of do everything with a camera and you go from Gone with the Wind to a film like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which was a complete game changer. Uh, You got to respect it.
1: Yeah, totally. Cinematographer is a a gig that you can really see, I think, of the... The, of the Oscar nominees, like the nominations, the categories, over the years, I think cinematography is what changes the most because you get to see the evolution of what we consider to be traditional filmmaking and just how that becomes more, you know, outrageous and more uh, experimental over the years. So I, I think these guys are immensely talented and I think awfully restricted by the abilities of their you know of the camera at their the time of their uh, careers and i would just love to see like have you know given free reign what would these guys in the 50s and the 60s be able to do
0: with the camera now oh geez yeah i think about that i think about if alfred hitchcock were alive you know uh, like that guy was already doing things that we have a hard time matching now you know like 70 years later <laughs> I just, I, you know, there's things that are happening in psycho that you know filmmakers just can't even fathom, you know, wrapping their head around and actually actually doing. And I love stuff like that. I love the eye, you know, the the gift that some people have where they kind of transcend time. And I think that I think with lilies of the field, um, and we'll we'll give out awards here soon. But before we do that, like lilies of the field, I think is a good is a good film, but there are things that are holding it back, which could be some of the technique could be some of the screenplay being kind of like, okay, I'm not really learning anything crazy here. This is pretty, pretty normal. You know, this is pretty kind of like, it's, it's, it's kind of basic, you know, it's kind of basic teachings. If you're a child, maybe, you know, maybe there's things in here that you'd be like, Oh, that's interesting. But as, as a, you know, as someone who watches a lot of stuff, you know, you're not blown away by what the film is doing or telling you about you know about religion or race or th- those things. It's not really blowing you, blowing you away. And I think you and I have have found that th- that's not just because it's old. You know, there are old movies that totally break you and make you realize, like, wow, writing has been good for a long, long fucking time. You know, just last week when we did *Treasure of the Sierra Madre, we were like, this movie's timeless because of those things. The technique is great, the screenplay is amazing. It's kind of out there. It's gritty. And it's, it's still still influencing things today. I don't see something like Lilies of the Field influencing what's happening now. What I took out of Lilies of the Field was here's Sidney doing his thing at work. Without him, I don't know where African-American actors would be. Uh, that's mainly what I was thinking about when watching the movie and mainly what I took away from it. I was just kind of doing research about him. But there are those films from the you know 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that totally transcend time and show you that there's been talent forever. There's always been talent. They maybe just didn't have the right tools. And I, I love that. We both kind of see that, especially with cinematography specifically directing and cinematography. These things go hand in hand and they're so important. They're so important to how we kind of carry a film with us. And if we want to rewatch it, own it, study it, those things are, are hugely important.
1: Well, I mean, just look at like early cinema, you know I mean? Look at let's, let's take something we've done in the past. Like, uh, Angels with Dirty Faces. I know Ooh. that keeps coming up lately, but it's just it's, Candy's been on my mind. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> that film, you know, filming it pretty by the numbers. You know, you point your camera, actors act in front of it. You look at a film like 1917, and what we're able to do with cinematography now is unreal. I mean, you're, it's not—it's barely the same industry. It's—it's it's not even the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like acting hasn't changed that much. Directing hasn't changed that much, but filming has morphed into a completely different animal. And I I wish some of those guys were here to see that.
0: Yeah. And play with those toys. Right. You know, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Imagine if, you know, imagine if certain directors had what, had what David Fincher can do, you know, just go totally digital and just be able to just edit the fucking shit out of everything you do. You know Uh, that's one of the coolest things about it. Right. Is that not only, can you see someone's distinct uh, voice or uh, what they're trying to get across to you as the audience, you can tell like what they believe in with filmmaking. You can tell, you can tell what Fincher believes in and he does not believe in film. You can tell when you're watching a Paul Tom Sanderson movie, you can tell what he believes in. When you're watching Spike Lee, you can tell what he believes in as a filmmaker. That's like so fucking cool. You know, as you start to learn names and start to learn what these guys like are capable of and what their tricks are, uh, you start to start to kind of put the you know put the pieces together and realize like these guys are people who fell in love just like we did and that's the that's the best
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's so neat to to kind of just see film as one giant entity that's constantly evolving and you know spinning off into all sorts of different things and to just you know, appreciate all aspects of it really, I think has, has rounded me into a better human being, I think.
0: Oh, I don't know where I'd be without it. Cause I, I'm not, um, uh, I'm I'm very much someone who likes to learn at his own pace and likes to take things, um, not take things slow, but if I want to stay somewhere for a while, I want to stay somewhere for a while. If I want to, if I want to, you know, and and with film, I I can do that. You know, if I want to watch, Five Francois Truffaut movies in a row. I'm gonna fucking do that. If I want to go over here and watch a Mike Nichols, uh, Nora Ephron written movie like Silkwood, I'll fucking do that. You know, which finally watched it. Really good, <laughs> really good. Uh, we we talked about that way back uh, on when Harry met Sally at the beginning of January, and finally got to see it. It's really cool. I like doing that. You know, and w- when you're someone who's being taught by someone who has an agenda. I don't do I don't do well in that that that's why I, I dropped out of high school I went to one semester of college I couldn't I couldn't handle it uh mentally I had a hard time sitting down in a chair and being like okay this is what this guy or this um curriculum or this place wants to wants to kind of tell me you know I, I never really took it upon myself to hey say hey this is this is exactly what I want to learn you know I'm I'm kind of off the wall all the time and that's great for me because I love movies. <laughs> I love, I love learning from documentaries and movies and reading about movies. That's kind of my way of, you know, kind of bettering myself and figuring out what's what, what kind of works for me and what, what's a, what's the best way for me to consume stuff without it all being useless. You know, that I can, I can actually learn about society from, from these things. And that, that's really powerful. Yeah.
1: I think of i uh, I'm pretty sure this was from Starship Troopers. Uh Figuring things out for yourself is the only freedom anyone really has.
0: Yeah, straight up, man. Good <laughs> quote. That's a good quote. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh man, this is this is cool. Uh, let, let's look at look. Let's look briefly at the thirty-sixth Academy Awards. I know we don't have a shit ton to say about, about about this ceremony, but we'll, we'll look briefly. There's there's five nominations altogether. Five categories we will look at. We'll start with uh, cinematography. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so yeah, that's where. Mr. Ernest Haller uh, took took his place. You want to take it away? Sure, go, best, go ahead.
1: Best cinematography, black and white. Uh, we have The Balcony, George J. Folsy; The Caretakers, Lucian Ballard; Lilies of the Field, Ernest Haller; Love with the Proper Stranger, Milton Krasner; and the winner, Hud, James Wong Howe. I got nothing to say. I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen these four films.
0: <laughs> I've seen I've seen Hud. Uh, That's, you know, that's, that's Mr. Paul Newman. But that, that, that's all I, that's all I got. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to say, yeah, it deserves way over lilies of the field. Uh, You know, I I think, I think when you've only seen two, you just got to kind of wait till you see the other stuff. Yeah,
1: same. Um, Best adapted screenplay. We have Captain Newman MD by Richard L. Breen, Phoebe Efron and Henry Efron. HUD by Irving Ravetch and Harriet Frank Jr. Lilies of the Field by James Poe. Sundays and Sybil by Antoine Toodle and Serge Bour- Bourgeois. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, he's French, of course. And the yeah. winner, yeah. <laughs> Tom Jones by John Osborne. There's an easy one <laughs> to pick. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Tom Jones, but I, I do. I do own it. And I've heard it's, uh, I haven't actually heard anything about that movie. I don't know what
0: it's about. (laughs) Neither have I. I've heard no one ever talk about in person, ever heard anybody talk about Tom Jones, a winner, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's, it's really, it's really crazy. Uh, Sundays, Sunday, that's a movie I just bought on Criterion, maybe, well, not just bought, but like a year ago, I, I, I own that movie. So I would love to talk about that one one day on this show. Uh, another another French uh, French film that could that could open the doors for you, my friend.
1: <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. Uh, yeah, cool. I know Tom Jones is considered Albert Finney's like definitive performance of his career. So there's that. Uh, so maybe it's maybe it's worth checking out.
0: I I, I also want to see real bad. Uh, it's it's in the um, the other screenplay category. Directly, uh, re- basically original screenplay. Uh, america america that's a movie i've always wanted to check out and and it also in that category is eight and a half which is a film connor fucking loves
1: screenplay <laughs> uh,
0: my ass <laughs> are you kidding me
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> The most incoherent uh, movie i've ever watched <laughs> that that would be a list i like that top 10 most incoherent fucking movies of all time i feel like you would just be consistently disappointed by my choices well here's what would happen is the list of movies that i would come up with would be movies i love (laughs) the movies that you come up with would be like this is what happened (laughs) it'd be yeah it'd be it'd be all movies that are like eights nines and tens for me and for you four and five (laughs) at least like at least i'm consistent (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah <laughs> that's, the, that's the the key difference in us as as, as uh, fans of this this medium is definitely that rambling, fucking, like nonsensical, Terrence Malick, David Lynch, Fellini type shit. You just you, you just don't like, and I, I'm just one of those. I'll, you know, I'm one of those fuckers who just likes it. And It's just a sucker. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that.
1: I just I need a story. Or you're not gonna you're not gonna catch me.
0: Yeah, and I'm not I'm never I'm not ever gonna willingly, uh, you know. Like I, we're not gonna we're not ever gonna do the tree of life on this show. That just wouldn't be fun. Thank you would Christ. have a hor- you'd have a horrible <laughs> time. I hope you rewatch it in your own time one day and just be like, oh, maybe I like it a little more than I thought. But I don't think it's happening. And and so you know, with that being said, I don't think we're ever gonna do eight and a half. But I really like that movie. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, maybe maybe. <laughs> isn't Fellini one of josh's guys i think so maybe i mean if he wants to i
1: mean maybe you know one of your brothers wants to do some felini i don't know just
0: they don't know shit about him yeah. cut me out <laughs> cut me out of that one i don't how about just me <laughs> just, just you
1: I, that would be interesting i'd be interested to see how that goes All
0: right, that would be awesome it would be like watching eight and a half it'd be like what is this guy talking about <laughs>
1: think that'd be kind of brilliant if the podcast for eight and a half makes as like just as little sense as the movie itself it's just you talking to like a mirror
0: yeah yeah i also want to do an episode on inherent vice just me where like i just take a bunch of drugs and and i just go on and on about inherent vice for a couple hours and just see see what happens
1: just picturing you emailing me like a six hour episode that like doesn't even like half of it. You're not even speaking into the microphone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I send it to you the next day after I've taken all the drugs and done the episode, and I say might need some editing. <laughs> just by the way, yeah. There's there's a few times where I'm just eating a bag of chips, <laughs> talking about how much I love Owen Wilson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it! That's what would happen though. Fucking uh, <laughs> <laughs> great. Oh, uh, boy. Mm. Which which one you want to do next? Uh, supporting actress. actors. Yeah, supporting yeah. actors.
1: Uh, we've got Diane Salento for uh, for Tom Jones, Edith Evans for Tom Jones, Joyce Redman for Tom Jones, <laughs> Lilia Scala for Lilies of the Field, and the winner Margaret Rutherford for the VIPs. I always love it when one movie just <laughs> dominates an acting category. <laughs>
0: You have to see this. Yeah. 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 I actually own the VIPs. I've never seen it. Um, I bought it at half price books. I don't even know a couple years ago It's just been sitting on my shelf. I, I need to check that out, but clearly Tom Jones is, is speaking to us right now. Uh, three women in supporting is, is just, yeah, it just doesn't happen. So I'd love to see that. And uh, I think Scala is really good in lilies of the field, you know, I thought that was a I thought that was a pretty strong performance going going head to head with uh Sydney.
1: It was her character was insufferable at times when she's just like I'm oh, not paying I'm not paying you now help us. <laughs> like yeah, you've been sent by God. Yeah. <sighs> but in, you know, I mean Sydney did keep coming back so it is on him.
0: <laughs> yeah. There is that right where he's not you know, obviously he he wants to like help and be a part of something as part of his character and like he can't help but the right thing in situations and uh you know and get you know take it or leave it but he you know has has this place to kind of call home for a second and has these people to hang out with and he's eating with them singing songs with them teaching them english so there is something there that's like worth that's that's like what what is worth you know living for you know is like being a part of something and for a moment for a moment there he is you know but ultimately you know Got to be fair to the guy. Give him some fucking money. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Let's do best picture. And since this is a Sydney episode, let's end with best actor. Okay. All right. So best picture we've got. America, America, Cleopatra, How the West Was Won, Lilies of the Field, and the winner, Tom Jones. There are some girthy epics in that list. God damn.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, this is is the kind of, best picture showdown that's like ah, uh, do i i mean yeah i want to see these movies but fuck me it's gonna take fucking forever well luckily lilies of the field is only like an hour and a half and i, I wouldn't mind re-watching that for for a show but man american americas is, is this big 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 movie cleopatra tom Jones, and how the west is one I, i'm just not really a fan fan of that one so I I want to do it. I want to see what Tom Jones is all about. I want to see Albert Finney. You know, I I got got to check that out. But it's not something I feel like we're rushing to for that reason. You know that this that happens though. You know, uh, when we did nineteen sixty one, it could have gone to that place, but The Hustler's so awesome, and and Judgment Nuremberg is worth all three hours. You know, but if it was five movies like Fanny and Guns of Navarone, I would have been like, ah shit. You know, fuck like. <laughs> These feel like they're taking forever. I like Guns and Navarone, but I don't know, man. You know what I, you know what I mean. There's those movies that just take up your whole night.
1: There's some movies that just don't need to be that long, and I never understand, like, what are they trying to prove here? I mean, you know, look at a movie like, you know, Lilies of the Field is, is good. But it's not amazing, but it is good. It's just as long as it needs to be, whereas a film like, you know, Fanny is an hour too long for no reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, something the 60s particularly really dealt with. Uh,
0: what, what else did we watch? Uh, you know, uh, fast forward to a year later, 1964. I remember we did Dr. Strangelove and we watched, you know, My Fair Lady, just for me, too long. Uh, what Hello Dolly,
1: that was 69. Uh,
0: what else is 64? We watched some other 64 shit, I just can't remember. Mary Poppins,
1: that, and, one's, that uh, one's
0: fun, that one's cute, yeah, Beckett. Beckett's not
1: bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we uh, we skipped *Zorba the Greek*.
0: Okay, we probably couldn't find it, uh, or or just skipped it because at that time we weren't as committed to the best picture. We were like, "Ah, eh, that doesn't look very good." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we have to. Now we get that fucking kick in the ass, like Fanny. It happens every now and again. Um, <laughs> it didn't happen in two thousand seven, though. No, that showdown was was good. Every movie is like worth your time and worth the conversation. So it does happen, but these, you know, and even lilies of the field in any given year, I'm just kind of like, that's not really a best picture nominee to me in most years. Yeah, it's good. Like you said, it's good. I, 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 I give it an eight. I give it four stars in letterbox. I like it, but best picture is for the, for the, for the best of the best. And it just doesn't really feel like one of those. I, I feel like there's other movies. There's gotta be other movies out there from 63. Yeah, That surpass it
1: I'm choosing to believe that it took a spot Away from eight and a half and that makes me happy But If we're talking 63 I think 100% the Great Escape should be here
0: Oh yeah That's Yeah years later I think the Oscars Always look stupid with with the decisions like that You know you have something right in front of you You could have you know nominated this really Kind of timeless movie And they just didn't they Just Screwed the pooch on that one
1: Yep, it happens. I mean, I would have loved some love for from Russia with Love. But, you know, the Bond franchise has never really gotten that kind of respect from the Academy.
0: No, which sucks.
1: Yep. Um, best Actor. Now, this is a killer group of performers. Yes. Uh, Albert Finney for Tom Jones. Richard Harris for This Sporting Life. Rex Harrison for Cleopatra. Paul Newman for HUD, and the winner, Sidney Poitier, lilies of the field. God damn, way to make your mark. Not just winning an Oscar as the, as the first black man to win Best Actor, but to defeat Albert Finney, Richard Harris, Rex Harrison, and Paul Newman. God damn, well done, Sidney. Yeah,
0: yeah, this is this is a killer, killer group. I, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know if people, you know if, uh, if, you know, obviously Paul Newman I think is the most recognizable name, but all four of these guys just could, their asses off could kind of do whatever they wanted it, it, this, this would be, this would be like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Paul Newman, you know, this would be like Bradley Cooper, Richard Harris, you know, these, these are like big, big monsters, like huge performers, a listers. Uh, but the one that I, obviously we have to see that we've talked about is, is Tom Jones, Albert Finney. We both have this kind of strange Adoration for him, and it's like, well, we should probably see this one from 60 years ago. Uh, it, s- it seems like that's the right move, but you know, I want to see them all. I want to see them all. I've seen Hud, but the other two, *This Sporting Life* and *Cleopatra*, on my list as well. But Sydney, good performance. Uh, I wish he would have been up for stuff later, and uh, mainly in the heat of the night. I think yeah. he's, I think he's incredible in that movie. But it, this, this is, this is a good performance. It's not amazing, but it's good, solid.
1: Yeah, and like you know, like you pointed out, like this performance winning this Oscar is incredibly necessary to everything that comes after. Uh, yeah, with, without it, I don't want to imagine what we
0: what we lose. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But you kind of you kind of don't know because because it, it did happen. It's like if the Beatles didn't didn't exist. You like I don't I don't want to know what how, like what the repercussions are or what happens to music if they're not there. I don't really want to know if Sidney Poitier is not who he is at that time. I don't really want to know what happens afterwards. I don't want I I don't really want to imagine someone else kind of taking that mantle and being the guy or being the woman. He's, he was the man and he, he was the right, he was the right one to kind of break that. Just everything I've read about him, just a fucking awesome, awesome dude. And a good example for, for all, all people who kind of look up to, movie stars, athletes, that kind of thing. So he's he's the man. Yep, no arguments here. <laughs> cool, man. Well, let's give some words out to this thing and get out of here. Um, we got the Tarantino Award for best quote or best line from the movie. We have the Ennio Morricone Award for best music moment. There's, there's some funny ones. Uh, uh, we got the Philip Zimmer Hoffman Award for best performance of the movie. And we have the Roger Deakins Award for best scene of the movie. Philip Zimmer Hoffman. Uh, you and I were texting back and forth on February 2nd. It was his anniversary of his death. That 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 award name is never gonna fucking change. <laughs> I fucking love that guy. Any one of these, I feel like could be somebody
1: else. The Tarantino could easily be, you know, the I don't know, fucking the Scorsese or whatever. The There's plenty, yeah. could be the Dean Cundy Award. The Morricone could be the John Williams. No one could replace. PSH as the definitive actor who represents the very profession in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it ain't happening. Yeah. I just, every time I look at him, I just, I get, get really excited, but also really emotional and it's, yeah. yeah, he's, he's the best. Uh, Tarantino, what do you got?
1: I've got two, one profound one and one goofy one. So my goofy one comes from a scene where, uh, Mother Superior is mad at Sydney for requesting like requesting aft payment. I'm like that's, that's not really that fair, but she uh she calls him a like a Wall Street millionaire and she just yells at him Wall Street and walks away like he's this like <laughs> hotshot and he's just like Are you,
0: are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> she's she's completely out of touch with who she's dealing with. Uh, and he's like, uh, you think I'm Wall Street? Just <laughs> wait till you actually meet someone. Who's, yeah, that was a that's a good one. Yeah.
1: And then my other one comes from, uh, I think her name is Maria, the Mother Superior. Yeah, Mother Maria, yeah. Yeah. She says, um, we were not put on this earth to hurry, Schmidt. Mm. I like that. I, I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. Like, we are not here to, you know, work ourselves to death and just not enjoy it. Like, you need to have enjoyment in life. You need to take things slow. You need to... Get the most you can out of this existence because you only get one, most likely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 always good in, in a screenplay. It just translate, translates well to, to a movie. It reminds me of uh, Brooks, his his last few lines in Shawshank when he's like, you know, when I went in there, it was one way and I got out here and everybody got in a big damn hurry. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love stuff like that. I love when someone who's, Got a little bit of seasoning, you know, as as kind of a veteran in life, just kind of plainly says, you don't, you don't always have to be rushing to the next thing. You're allowed to enjoy point A to point B because if you, uh, you know, one one of my favorite things I've ever learned as a person is uh, there was someone who I was working with years ago when I was, I was 17, 18, probably 18. I was working with him uh, in Romania. And I wanted to come home. I want to come back home to Romania or from Romania. I want to come back to Texas. And he, he told me, he's like, look, when I was in the army and this is in Romania, this guy has this real thick accent. His name's his name's Tony. He said, uh, when I was in the army, we, we knew, we knew when we were going to come home, we had an idea of when we were going to come back, you know, from, from serving. And he's like, we would have these calendars that were next to our beds. Right. Um, and we, we, have a have a marker and we cross off each day as we went he's like if you do that in your real life you cross days off what's the point of living hmm. and i was i was young you know and it took me a while to really wrap my head around to just kind of like the the simplicity but also complexity of that that, that 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 quote basically from him and now i now i think about it every single day of my life like it's very very important especially you don't know who's watching you know and I have a daughter now you don't know who's paying attention to how you treat just normal things I love when that's in a movie even if it's for just a short little line I love when that kind of is thrown in there especially from someone like her you know she's just kind of this fascinating character who's trying to make you think and okay? I love that that's a good pick I didn't, I didn't really I, I remember hearing that but I didn't really catch on to it like you did that's cool that you picked that one um, I, I like that a lot. I like that character a lot.
1: Reminded me of a quote from The Office, weirdly. It was uh, "Fuck yeah!" from uh, from Andy Ed Helms, who said, "Um, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the like that you're in the good old days before you've left them." It was like, ooh,
0: yeah, and, yeah,
1: man. Like, there's a moment where you realize, oh, that was like, I'm not. That's not part of my life anymore. Like, I've moved on. And you don't realize that till you're like, you need it. You know what I mean? It's Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I I think about, I think, yeah, I love that. I love that so much. It's so cool. Ed Helms is great in that show. Uh, (laughs) I'm not a huge office fan, but I'm a huge Nard Dog fan. Um, (laughs) I love, love Andy. That's, 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 that's brilliant. Really. You know? Yeah. The, the good old days. Right. It's like, you never, you're never really, you're never truly present. That's so crazy. Uh, yeah. Ooh, getting existential here on uh, lilies of the field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <Damn. laughs> my, my, my quote is uh, my Tarantino involves two, two characters. One's Mr. Ashton kind of the big time guy who, who lives, lives in the town and uh, runs this big company that has all these tools and these resources. Uh, and, and then it's this, Probably maybe my favorite character from the movie is Juan. Um hmm. <laughs> that guy's guy fucking great. It's between them two. And they're at um, the site where the chapel is being built. And Mr. Ashton realizes, like, wow, they're like, they're like really doing this, you know, and they've just got all this material. And so he says, Say, where'd you get all the material? And Juan says, The people give them, senor. Mr. Ashton. What for? Back to Juan. A man. He gives wood, bricks. In time, what does he get? A chapel. A place where his children can receive the sacraments. To these men, for their children to have faith, it is very important. Mister Ashton, is that why you're here, Juan? To me, it's insurance. To me, life here, life is here on this earth. I cannot see further, so I cannot believe further. But if they are right about the here, the hereafter, I have paid my insurance, Senor. <laughs> oh great. man, that's such a. Uh, I was like fucking blown away by that 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 dialogue. Cause I, I, I relate to Juan in the sense that um, you're very aware of like how important this is to people and how it's kind of, it's, it, it is their life, you know, it's their, it's, it's what they believe in. It's like kind of what drives them to get up every day, but I've, I've always been, I'm going to start saying it. I can't believe further. You know, I cannot see further. So I don't, I can't believe further. I love that. I think that's a really cool way of just kind of almost being humble about, I'm, I'm here and I don't know I don't know anything. I'm not going to act like I know anything.
1: Well, I also love the idea that like but if I'm wrong, then I'm paying my dues
0: here. Like I'm yes. getting my ticket punched right now. No, he, he still has the like f- the fear of what will happen to him in the afterlife. That's, that's amazing. Like that's still somewhere in his life. He learned about this stuff and it, it, the fear was instilled in him that like, oh, maybe I should you know, go to church every once in a while just so I can fucking, you know, have that salvation thing they talk about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's a cool it's a cool bit of bit of dialogue. And then you have Mister Ashton who's just like, what? Like, what what's going on here? How do they get this? How do they do this? You know. And he has that underlying, you know, that there's that like sly racism that he has towards Homer, where he's like, do you, can you really operate these machines? You know, and he doesn't really. He doesn't properly hire him. He doesn't pay him correctly. And then he's wondering, oh, why are all these people doing this? And it's like, well, it's for a common cause. So they're, like, they're all on the same page. You would not understand that. You're just a money man.
1: I mean, we start out meeting this guy he calls Homer boy.
0: Exactly. I mean, right boy. there. Yeah. As soon as yeah. he says
1: that, we're like, oh, okay, he's an asshole.
0: Mm-hmm. That's all we
1: need to know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he does have his redemptive moment where he gives them bricks, the wrong kind. I love that. <laughs> he's like... Yeah, you know, yeah, He's paying his insurance and Juan's
0: like He knows we're using Adobe and he brings us Bricks but okay yeah, Cool thanks <laughs> bud I love that because Juan and Homer are both like super hungover <laughs> <laughs> They're like leaning on the truck like Oh this fucking guy yeah Yeah good stuff there's there's some decent lines in this movie Yeah that was pretty good And you know Morricone some, some weird choices here What do you got? You got a surprisingly
1: bouncy score Kind of like a you know mm-hmm. Like a Saturday morning cartoon, almost. It was odd, um, but I went with the the scene where um, Homer first uh, sings the Amen song with the with the nuns. That's what I chose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just so so sweet and endearing and bouncy, and they're all
0: happy. And yeah, it's just it's a good one. Yeah, and it's cool that that scene takes its time. You know, it's pretty. It's a pretty patient scene. And Sydney, at first, you're kind of like oh man he's not got a great singing voice but then you're like actually he kind of does it's actually kind of fun to listen to he's actually got something kind of you know there's something soulful and kind of country about it you know that's just kind of like reels you in and then the way he kind of teaches all of them you know it, it's just cool i like that scene a lot thought, thought it was awesome because he starts singing one song and they're like whoa 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 whoa, and then he's like, okay hold on let's let me, you know, let me go back to this. And then he, you know, kind of breaks it down and does this, this kind of old, old like worship hymn, you know, it's just cool.
1: Yeah, it fits the scene really well. And gives, I like moments where they, where him and the nuns are bonding. I like yeah. a lot of those.
0: Yeah, very, yeah, very cool. Cause they're all just like, <laughs> you know, and, and to clarify, you know, they're, 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 they speak German, that's their first language. And so they're, they've got that, that kind of funny accent that when they speak in English, the same way we do. If we speak German, it's just kind of, kind of a little goofy. And I love that about the nuns, you know, when they're trying to talk to him, uh, Schmidt <laughs> instead of Smith. Yeah. It's cool.
1: Yeah. Looking for that chapel.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So good. I love it. Uh, th- th- this one's obvious to me, the Philip Seymour Hoffman award. Um, uh, yeah. Yes. Sydney, Sydney. Yeah. It's got gotta be as Homer. He's, He's awesome. He has the ability as we've learned to just kind of carry stuff. Even, even if the direction or writing isn't great, every scene, he, he can, he can help you out. He can carry you for a little bit. He's got that much star power. He's just
1: so damn cool. Like Sydney in this, especially is like, I want to hang out with that guy. Like I want to get a beer with him. Like he, he, he's fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 I wish I could look as cool in a fucking just white t-shirt and like tucked into khakis with like, he just, he just pulls it off. It's like fucking James Dean. It's just like, what, how does this guy do this? You know, he just can make anything look awesome. And that's a huge, huge attribute that he had. He could just kind of, kind of pull anything off. You know, he's that kind of guy, that kind of cat. He's awesome.
1: Oh yeah. Some, you know, as, As Teddy Roosevelt once said, some are born great, others have greatness thrust upon them. Sydney was born great.
0: Yeah, I agree. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die.
1: Mm, Fuck yeah.
0: Sydney's a sandlot. Pulling (laughs) out some fucking (laughs) profound ass quotes today, my friend. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fucking, uh, I love that. When uh, Babe Ruth visits uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, and Benny's like fucking 13, and he's like, whoa. (laughs) <laughs> I just lost my mind.
1: <laughs> we should throw the sandlot on filmgasm soon. I'd love uh, to talk about that movie.
0: Me too, man. I that uh, just very important movie to me. Um, seen it so many times. Hey, I, I think it legitimately gets better every single time that I watch it. Yeah, same. I had that on tape as a kid. It was one of my constantly rotating films, it's been a favorite of mine my whole life. Yeah straight up me too man uh all right let's let's get to this last award i'm loving this uh the roger deacons award for best scene what do you got i
1: really like the scene where homer decides to teach the nuns how to speak english and good pick good pick starts telling them you know you sit down i sit down we stand up and everyone's like cheery and happy and they're bonding and it's like this is this relationship might work out it's a it's a very wholesome scene. And I like wholesome scenes because I fully expected this movie to be a racial drama and it, it was not at all. So I was surprised in the direction it went, but I
0: I liked it. Yeah, it I'll say it. I it was pretty refreshing that it wasn't this because I, I find that um, a lot of a lot of you know quote unquote black movies, and, and this is this is also coming from living with my fiance's black, and she she gets really frustrated when it's always this kind of look at all the pain, look at all just the shit that we've gone through. And
1: yeah. it's like,
0: well, why can't we just have a normal movie about a normal person, a character, and it just be a black person, you know? And, you know, it, it took like meeting her to like really recognize that and be like, wow, she's right. Like, why aren't there more rom-coms with black leads? You know, like, like why can't there just be more normal movies? It has to be this like fucking tough, Yeah. Gritty. Like like It has to be this like lesson for white people to learn because they're so fucked up. Like, why can't we just be entertained by black characters? And I I actually found it to be "Lilies of the field from fucking 1963 to be kind of refreshing in that. Yes, there's some there's some race stuff, you know, you're not going to that's going to be there. But for the most part, you know, Homer's just this guy. He's this fucking handyman who happens to come across these people and he helps them out. it ends up being this cool lesson for the German nuns and him to learn about, learn about each other. And that's, that's cool. That's I, I, yeah, I came into this episode thinking like, Oh shit, man, there's gonna be some stuff maybe like that'll be really tough to talk about, which is not, not a bad thing, but it's also good to, to, to have normal, normal characters, normal movies uh, for people to just appreciate and look up to. Well, I think it's sad that we both
1: had that, preconception about this movie we both thought another american racial drama that's going to make us sad and guilty but it's not and i i i feel i wish i hadn't had those preconceived notions because i just you know it's just part of our fucking upbringing in this country like it's it's ingrained in our dna as much as it is everybody else's
0: ah yeah man that's really interesting we both kind of went through that without talking about it um just kind of watching the movie finishing it oh okay you know and that's, that's always going to be something I, I I want to learn more about. It's kind of just the response that we have to, to stuff, especially films with, with African-American people either working on it or acting in it, whatever the case is that, you know, this is something that, you know, as we've, as we've learned, just talking about all, all these people have been nominated, one, the Oscars. It's, it's just not very normal for black people to be able to see themselves in movies. And that's, that's, that's the most sad thing, you know, and that's the stuff we want to see just fucking end as time goes on, you know. Yeah, it goes right back to what I
1: was saying about history, you know, rediscovering new voices and new ways to interpret the story. And I, it, for a lot of people, it starts in film, it starts in, you know, representation in everyday life. And mm. we need, we need to continue that we need to keep being on the right side of history, regardless of what
0: all those fucking alt-right assholes are doing.
1: We need to focus on being on the right side.
0: I, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree, man. Well said, this is a, uh, this is a really cool episode. Uh, when some directions I didn't know it was going to go in, but I've had a blast. It's been, been really cool. I uh, love, love kind of just going on this random fun journey with you, man. It's, it's, it's good stuff. And next week is going to be, uh, Even more, more of like kind of a a curveball for you as a viewer. Uh, This is something I occasionally like to do on this show: is just kind of fucking throw a knuckleball at Connor, like fucking take this. Uh, And and so we're we're gonna be doing a documentary next week called Undefeated from 2011. Uh, It won Best Documentary at the 84th Academy Awards, and it is it is a it's a it's a good one. It's on Netflix. So it's very, very accessible. And not only is it something that, you know, I see as a cool story, cool black story, cool African-American story, it is Super Bowl Sunday next week. And this deals with this deals with football, deals with football players. And so I think it'll be really cool to kind of kind of put put those two things together. And and also we're going to be cool to do a documentary again. It's been a while since we've done a documentary. So I'm really excited. I like this one a lot. It it fucking rocked me the first time I saw it a few years back, and I think it's going to do the same to you. So I'm, I'm super excited. Did you? What was your deacon's? Did you did you say it? Oh, mine was the same as you.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah,
0: I thought I thought i said that. I thought I said that. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah.
1: I was waiting. I was like, wait a minute.
0: But okay, cool. Yeah, um, I th- I think my, I think my excitement for you picking it just kind of overshadowed it. Yeah, yeah. I think the same thing. I like that. I love that scene, and I also love the scene where. um uh, all, the, all the workers and wants start just helping Homer when he's building. I thought that was a really, like, well-done scene. But, yeah, the, I think the highlight of the movie is those scenes with him and the nuns and then him, like, truly trying to take his, take his time to teach them English was, was really impactful. So, yeah, that's funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I am excited. I like, you know, uncharted territory on this show. Definitely. And a f- football doc is for sure. Somewhere I have never gone. Cause I could give a shit about football, but I do enjoy documentaries and I trust your judgment.
0: So I'm, I'm on board. Hell yeah, man. Gonna be cool. Gonna be, gonna be, gonna be different. Gonna be different. Gonna create some cool conversations too. Uh, you know, this is, this is what we do. Uh, Lily's the field. If you're interested, it's on Amazon prime and Tubi. and if you want to rewatch it, if you've already seen it and you you're listening with us, uh, yeah, go check it out. It's, it's on, it's on a couple different services for free. So why not? Right. I, I watched it through prime because Tubi has those kind of long ads. Yeah. Not, 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 my cup of tea, but if I have to use it, I will, you know, uh, that's just, that's just the way it is. Uh, how'd you, did you watch it on prime?
1: I did. Cause I, I watch Tubi if it's a last resort, cause I don't like those ads either, but I also don't like complaining about a free service. So like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like, if you have a, fucking console or or roku or whatever it's like you just you just get Tubi for free so why why not um pr- pretty pretty neat they actually have a pretty impressive library on there so uh if you do want to check out stuff completely for free not have to sign up for anything Tubi is the way to go um let's see what else do we have going on you know undefeated's next week on oscar sunday what else is going on um with our other shows
1: well, sneak preview is going to be absolutely fucking ridiculous uh, tomorrow because we are doing a oh. full blown Jackass episode. Oh God, so uh, good! Jackass Forever is the big movie of the of the week. Uh, certified fresh at
0: fucking ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't believe I believe that. I I believe it. I love the Jackass movies. <laughs>
1: Uh, I saw this one earlier today, and it is by far the best one. It is so funny, so over the top, ridiculous, everything you'd expect from jackass. And these fuckers are in their 50s. It's kind of amazing.
0: Is it, you saw it in theaters? Yes. Nice. That's cool. It's not on anything, right? It's just theaters. Yep. Just theaters. That's cool. Yeah. I might have to check that out. I'm, I'm, I'm off a couple of days during the week. I might have to go check that out because, yeah, I've, I've always been a huge. Huge jackass fan. I was talking about it with my coworker today. We were just talking about our favorite, favorite bits from 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 the old movies. I I I adore those guys. I've always been enamored by Johnny Knoxville, Steve O and Chris Pontius, uh, you know, of course, Ryan Dunn, rest in peace. I love those guys so much. Dave England. Uh I I actually prefer the show Wild Boys over jackass because it's just steve-o and chris ponius so it's really focused and they're like fucking with animals and stuff and i've i've always thought that show was was superior but god i love jackass I, l- I love everything that those guys do
1: i had never seen the movies before and they finally put them back on paramount plus so last night i marathoned all three of them oh perfect <laughs> what a great night <laughs> So, yeah, tune in uh, sneak preview tomorrow for just Caleb and I just talking about jackass the whole time. He's Caleb has been looking forward to this movie more than I've seen him look forward to anything, which is crazy. <laughs> <It's> so awesome. <laughs> um, Wednesday, filmgasm. Uh, I'm hosting a, um I'm joining two new guest hosts, one of which we have met before. The other is a newbie. Uh, doing his first episode they have chosen the 1977 uh sci-fi animated film wizards which i have never seen and i've heard is a fucking trip so uh looking forward to that uh new blood always fun
0: yeah
1: and wizards just looks like a crazy movie i've never seen it either yeah i've heard like i've been i've been told like buckle up so i'm i'm looking forward to it um and then beyond the bad we just did The Island of Dr. Moreau, which was the most insane production I've, we've we've covered yet. Uh, there's a documentary on Shudder called Lost Soul that talks about just everything that they went through trying to make this piece of shit. It's a wild mo- uh, movie. Like The story of the production is crazier than the actual movie. It's way more interesting. <laughs> so that was fun. So next week, we're dialing it back. For, well, this week, I guess. We're dialing it back with the 2014 found footage horror film the pyramid nice which nice is a found footage film with a fucking score which has baffled me for years uh it's a terrible movie uh but you know that's par for the course i, I i'm really enjoying doing beyond the bad i'm watching stuff i never would have even considered throwing into my life and now they're here
0: <laughs> oh that's 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 the whole goal right is uh is to constantly be your palate is always being kind of cleansed and revamped with whole, whole new stuff to talk about. So cool. I love that. It's great. One day I'll have to pop in and do an episode with you guys on beyond the bad. Uh, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll look at the schedule and maybe there'll be one that sticks out in my mind that I actually kind of like, and I'll be like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause I, I, there, there, there are those that are out there that we all, we all have those guilty pledgers, right? Uh, yeah. And that that
1: show is partly about defending those guilty pleasures,
0: but also, you
1: know, showing like, yeah, these movies, certain movies are shit and they should be just left to die. (laughs)
0: Left to die or talked about by Connor and Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. I love it, man. That's really cool that Shudder has something that you guys could kind of tag team with and use for extra knowledge. really cool. Uh, It's gonna be a fun week, gonna be a random, random week. Nothing better than that, you know. Uh, if you're a film fan, you always have something to look forward to with Filmgasm. So follow us on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Facebook. You know, always Filmgasm. I'll just, just search that, search that shit. We've got all kinds of stuff coming. Uh, gonna be a lot of fun, man. Uh, hopefully, you guys don't laugh too much on tomorrow's sneak preview for Jackass Forever. <laughs> I, can already, I, already, I already know it's gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. All right, well, everybody, have a good night. Have a good week, and uh, keep listening to Filmgasm.